we pause to say thank you. And our prayer is that you were pleased with the worship moment. We thank you first for giving us the ability, the heart and the mind to turn our eyes toward you. We thank you, God, that your spirit confirms when you are pleased with our earthly worship. And now as we continue in worship, it's preaching time. And we need, sir, for you to do only what you can do. Let's breathe on us one more time. Please, Master, let the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit illuminate our hearts and minds. Arrest our thoughts. Keep us from distraction. We would, sir, see you high and lifted up. And in order for that to happen, we need you to give our pastor preaching power and preaching permission. Father, forgive me of my sins, for they are many. And remember, I'm frail and my feet are but clay. But if you stand in me and breathe on me, then preaching will be done. And to this end, we'll be mindful, if you do it, to give you the honor and the glory and the praise for it all belongs to you and the new beginnings family agreed in prayer and said amen and amen acts chapter 8 verse 9 acts chapter 8 verse 9 thank you choir for an excellent excellent job in worship this morning I want to welcome our visitors to the New Beginnings Church. We are an expository teaching and preaching church. And that means we believe in preaching through every book of the Bible, books and chapters at a time, comma by comma and line by line. This morning, you have come on the day we are walking through the book of Acts and we're in a series and it's part two of the series here in this eighth chapter title of our message today is a ministry for the city part two and a subtitle is how to handle satanic influence in the church watch out amen how to handle satanic influence in the church beginning at verse nine if you're there say i'm with you pastor but there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city. And he astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone who was great and to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying that this man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both the men and the women of the city were baptized. And then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and the signs 
that were done by him. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem had heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent down Peter and John to them. And when they had came down, they prayed for the Samaritans that they would receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had not fallen upon any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Peter and John laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles hands that the Holy Spirit was given. Watch this y'all. He offered them money. Somebody said now you know that's wrong. Saying, give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay my hands might receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you, because you thought the gift of God could be purchased with money. And you neither have part nor portion in this matter, for your heart ain't right. I know it ain't in there, but I thought it fit good right there. Your heart ain't right in the sight of God. So repent, therefore, of this, your wickedness. And pray to God if perhaps the thoughts of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and you bound by iniquity. And then Simon answered and said to Peter, please pray to the Lord for me that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me and all God's people said amen Amen. you may be seated thank you for your kindness and your patience Reverend Brown can I trouble you to bring me that water please thank you son family the last time we were here in this text we saw the power of the gospel at work in Samaria. The spread of the good news to this location meant that a new ministry for the Samaritans had began. God had said to the disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that when my spirit comes upon you, you're going to be witnesses for me, Jojo, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. The Holy Spirit fell upon them, filled them, and they became witnesses in Jerusalem, but they got stuck. They didn't go any further. And so God had to raise up a man whose name was Saul. Saul came in persecuting the Christians. And it was at the sound of persecution that they then began to leave Jerusalem running for their lives. And that's how the ministry ultimately got to Samaria. God had to send a little trouble their way to get them to obey. Remember, I asked the question, has God ever sent trouble to your life to get you to obey the thing he called you to do? He ain't got no problem causing a little storm to arise to get your attention. Am I talking to you today? 
when we look at this text, we see that not only does Philip go down between Acts chapter 8, verse 1 through 8, he has the ability to preach and to give miracles, and many came running to Jesus. But at the same time that they come running to Jesus, Luke keeps writing this text because he wants you to see that something else is at work in Samaria. Not only is God working in Samaria to save the Samaritans, but Satan is working in Samaria. So you have on one hand a ministry for the city and a new church being born, Kabuya. But then on another hand, you got the evil one at work trying to throw off the work inside of the church. Y'all going to help me work today? Simon the sorcerer, he serves as a model for us today of one who wants ruled by the power of darkness and then confesses Christ, but yet tries to rule by the same power. And this is a problem that's prevalent, Sister Green, in most of our churches today. We have some who are accustomed to public power and prestige. And when they come into the church, they still want to try to rule and reign by that prestige. Can I say some more? I told to the 11 o'clock crowd, I said, you can't rule from the world and then come inside the church and rule. Those are two different kingdoms. And so how the world does things is not how the church does things. And so what this text is going to teach us today is that as believers, we got to watch out for strange spirits that come inside the church. We've got to reject satanic suggestion to be in control or to have influence and to use God's power the wrong kind of way. So I got three points I'm going to give you and then I'm going to get on out your way. Amen. Amen. The first thing I want to talk about today is I want to talk about sorcery with power. Sorcery with power. The second thing I want to wrestle with is salvation with power. And then I want to close by looking at shepherds with power. Y'all going to work? I feel it is heavy in here today, so I'm going to need some amens. Help me pull this load, all right? Okay. Verse number nine. Let's walk through the text. The text says, but. Now that's important. It means that what you just read from verses one through eight now takes a turn. Does that make sense? But it's a conjunction. It hooks up two moving thoughts. It's changing direction from one way to another. We just found out that there was great joy in the city. But. There was a certain man. Now, when you see that in the text, underline that. The word certain man implies that there is something about this character you got to know. Does that make sense? He's getting ready to be exposed, Andrew, for all that he is. This certain man called Simon, watch this, what about him, pastor, who previously practiced sorcery. In the same city that Philip had came down to was now astonished or rather had astonished the people of Samaria claiming that he himself was somebody great to whom the whole city Crawford gave heed to him. The least to the greatest saying that this man is the great power of God. 
or he is like God, or he works for God. And then in verse 11, the Bible says, and they heeded to him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. Can I unpack that right there? So when we back into verse 8, you see sorcery with power. After you see what Philip has already done from verses 1 through 8. Y'all listening? Let's unpack it. When we get here, we see that there are two powers at work in Samaria. There's the power of the gospel, which Philip is proclaiming and preaching, and lives are being changed. And then there's this dark power that's ruled by sorcery. Y'all listening? It's a picture of this. God was working through his servant. And Satan was working through his. Parenthetically, that happens in every city. So when Philip arrives on the scene, Philip is immediately met with opposition. The opposition is that Simon has the crowd, right? And Philip is coming to save the crowd. And so when Luke introduces Simon, we see Simon in verse 9 and what we call is his satanic role of leadership in the community. He's working, Zuniga, under the influence of Satan and he likes it. He has power and prestige and everybody, everybody, sons and daughters, from the least of them to the greatest, said this about Simon. This man is the great power of God. Can I say some more? In other words, Simon Laurie was in the satanic worship daughter. He had what we call today is demonic power that, that marveled the crowd. And he was using sorcery. Can I unpack that, y'all? Y'all gonna help me today? The word sorcery, sorcery originates from the Latin. And this is the proper definition or the title of the word. It's, it's called sorcerious. And it, mean one, it means one who sorts by evil spirits. Can I say some more? The Greek definition of the word sorcery is the word pharmakia. It's where we get our English word pharmaceuticals. Stay with me in here. Simon rules by pharmaceuticals. He has the ability to make people happy by what he's given them. He has the ability to make people content by what he's dealing. He has the ability to change their moods. So whenever they see him, he is the man. He's got power. Simon can give you something to make you feel good. Am I talking to you today? Simon literally is dealing, dealing something on behalf of Satan to keep the Samaritan in hypnosis. And he, when he gets them in his altered state of mind, they'll do whatever he wants them to do. And this is the dark power that's ruling Samaria. Can I say some more? 
Is there any wonder why now Jesus said to them, I want you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world? Why? Satan, the prince and power of the air, is ruling all of his earthly communities this way. And the only answer to the darkness that Satan uses to permeate society is the light of the gospel. I'm trying to work, but y'all, it's heavy in here. Can I say some more? The gospel is the only thing that sobers a man, that lets him think clearly, that makes him discern the supernatural. Are you listening here? Uh, some of you today are under the auspice of pharmaceuticals. And Satan can alter your mind so that you think you can't live without it. And I know you sent all pastors just a little weed, and I got a cannabis card now. Okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not shocked at that because Satan is the prince and power of the air. Who you think is responsible for the legalization of marijuana? Satan, why? To keep you in an altered state of awareness so you won't be able to discern. What God is saying to you. And all you think is somebody trying to stop you from getting high. I knew, this, I knew it was going to be hard in here today. Listen. Satan was ruling by sorceries. Not only this, but in ancient days, sorcery. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. When we come to this text, we also understand that Simon was into this power. And Sister Garrett, he was into the public display of power so much that he liked it. And he boasted that he himself was somebody great. And as a result, people followed him because of his great deception. Can I give you a window to look through right here? Teach you something about Satan. What we clearly see here, Courtney, is that Satan has power and he gives it to those who are willing to deceive others. In other words, if you are looking for power, prestige and prominence, Satan can use you. And you're just the kind of candidate he will promote. See, remember, he fell from heaven because of pride. So when he gets ready to stop or thwart the work of God in the earth, he just looks for people who bucking for pride and position. And guess what Simon was? Simon was one who was bucking for pride and position in Samaria. So Satan introduced him to sorcery. And by sorcery, he began to control the whole population. Am I making sense here? I'm not surprised now when I see legislation being passed to seduce you, to cause your mind to be high. Why? Because somebody want power. Somebody want to be in control. Somebody want to keep you in a state of hypnosis where you don't know what's going on. And I'm talking to you here. Listen, that is the rule and reign of the wicked one in the earth. 
He comes to do that very thing. But oh, thank God for the gospel. Where the wicked one is at work, so is the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God will send you in here high. Come on, talk to me. The Lamb of God will break that high. Amen. I'll tell you, God done messed up some good highs in my life. Amen. Won't y'all keep it real? Ever been high and start singing church songs? I got a better one. Than Ever been high and hear God's voice? All of a sudden, you just get paranoid. Ever get high and think the rapture then came and everybody left you? The spirit of God breaking through. <laughs> That's all I'm trying to say. And when Philip comes down to Samaria, he's able to penetrate the darkness. Now, those who were once saying Simon is the great man have now yielded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel would now transform Samaria. I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. Let me show you my second point, salvation with power, verses 12 through 13. When you look at the text, now we find out what Simon was doing there. Something interesting happens. The text says, but when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. I just shared that with you. Then Simon, watch this now. He also believed and he was baptized and he continued with Philip. And watch this now. And he was amazed. Seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. When we arrive at this portion of the text. We see an immediate contrast to the interruption to what Satan was trying to do in Samaria. Brothers and sisters, the text says that Simon convinced then of this power he came to Philip and he believed himself does that make sense when Philip came to town he came preaching with power and Philip drew Simon's crowd away from him and so now that they were all believing and had been baptized we see that Simon is conflicted see at one time he was using sorcery to seduce them but Philip came using the gospel to save them Simon was using sorcery brown to keep them in bondage but Philip used the gospel to set them free Simon was using sorcery to entrap them but Philip used the gospel to, to, to let them at liberty and so the preaching of the gospel had the ability to draw people from satanic deception into divine freedom can I tell you something right here only the gospel can draw somebody from the dope house only the gospel can draw somebody from the power and influence of the underworld. Being smart enough ain't going to do it. Having degrees ain't going to do it. Knowing the 12 steps to, to sobriety or substance abuse freedom ain't going to do it. Only the gospel can combat the dark and the evil things in the heart of man and bring them into the marvelous light. Can I say some more? And that's why as Christians, we must never water down or, or, or explain away the power of preaching the gospel. Everybody in here must be able to preach the gospel. Everybody in here must be able in a dark and dying world to be the light of God wherever you're at. 
Am I making sense here? And every time there's an opportunity to proclaim the word of God, we must proclaim it in order that somebody might be set free. Somebody looking at me right now. You got family members. You got homeboys and homegirls. And you know they're struggling with drugs. But the antidote is the gospel. It's not you pacifying them. It's not you just giving them some good information. It's you sharing the gospel with clarity and empower. Does that make sense? That breaks the strongholds of Satan. Come on, talk to me. I can give you 10 steps to success all day long. And you may grab a hold of them and do well, but you're still going to hell sober. The only thing that will save you from hell is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I say some more? Part B for me is found in verse 13. The text says, and then Simon also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed. I ask you to circle that. He was amazed, watch this now, seeing the miracles and the signs that were done. Can I unpack it? Can I unpack it? When we come here, we almost think by looking at Simon that a conversion has happened. No, no. Why, why do we think that, Pastor? Because he goes to the waters of baptism. He makes a public declaration that he's following Philip. He continues with Philip in the ministry, and he's amazed at the miracles that he sees being done by Philip. But there is a hidden portion in this text I want you to see, family. Simon the sorcerer is not converted. He's not converted, but rather he has simply infiltrated the church that has been born in Samaria. And guess how he did it, Sister Wilson? He became a member through participation. He, he walks like them. He talks like them. Uh, he, he, he behaves like them. But he has another motive for his interest. His interests are purely political. He still wants to be the power of Samaria. In other words, he was a deceiver. Only now he was cloaked with the garments of being one in the community, a participant, a good follower of Philip, a student of the ministry, a learner of the trade. The text is clear. Watch this now. That Simon only followed Philip to see the miracles that he could do. He was never transforming the heart. Can I give you a window to look through? The text says that the others believed and were baptized. It says about him, he believed and was baptized and was amazed at the power. Now, don't read that without reading verses 1 through 8. Why? You have to keep it all in context. Tell somebody, keep it in context. When you get to verse 9, you see how he worked the power through sorcery and that he was the power. He was amazed by the miracles and simply tried to draw close. To the one who could do what he couldn't do. Can I say some more? Watch what happens in the text. As you keep looking at the text, you'll find that not only is he amazed, 
but that God is getting ready. Yeah, thank you, Lord, to protect the baby church of Samaria. The text says in verse 14, now, you see that right there? It says, but with Simon, right? In other words, God was doing this and Satan tried to do that. (laughs) And then in this text, now, it's as if God himself sees what's going on in Samaria. And he's now going to counter what the devil is doing with this next piece of text. My third point, shepherds with power. Look at verse 14. If you're there, say, I'm there, pastor. Am I, doing too, am I going too fast for you? Y'all tracking? All right. Verse 14. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he had fallen upon none of them, and they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. First of all, that jumps out, what jumps out to me, I want to share with you, is that when we arrive at this next verse, we see, Brother Anthony, for the very first time, that the Holy Spirit chose not to fill these new believers at the time of their public confession in Jesus. Here he elects to do something totally different. Y'all with me? See, God had in the book of Acts, the historical record of the church, a transitional plan for the believers. And in Acts 1 through 10, we see this plan being unveiled. Now, why? God, first of all, when he got ready to save the Jews in Acts chapter 2, he used Peter to open up the kingdom of God. Just like he promised him he would have the power to do in Matthew chapter 16. So the Jews can't believe on their own and receive salvation. Peter has to unlock it by preaching the gospel. Are y'all with me here? And so the same thing he did for the Jews, the Holy Spirit is now going to do with the Samaritans. Even though Philip rides in the town with the gospel, preaches the gospel, baptize them, they believe the word, but they're not yet transformed or, or uh, confirmed or received the Holy Spirit. This is interesting right here. Second point I noticed, the reason why this happened is because the Jews and the Samaritans don't like each other. So if God had allowed the Samaritans to receive the gospel and get saved apart from the Jews, the two communities would have never came together. They were already set apart and the Jews were reluctant to go to the Samaritans. That's why God had to stir up Saul to cause trouble to run them out of Jerusalem and to carry the gospel to the Samaritans. And so when the text says that now Peter and John come down to Samaria and when they see, y'all with me here, that they have not received the Holy Spirit yet, Peter then prays for them, lays hands on them. 
Oh, I wish I had time to just work right there. See, Peter's got some racial problems in his heart. And in order for him to obey what God has called him to do, he's got to fully participate with the plan of God. And if he gets to Samaria and they're already saved, well, then he can play Christianity safe, you know, just, just him and the Jews doing Christ. But now God says, no, you go, and when you get there, I want you to pray and lay hands so that what I'm going to do in their life, you won't be able to reject or neglect. Can I say some more? Uh, Y'all mind if I preach and waddle in this thing? Next thing I see in here is a church planting principle. Listen, churches are not like businesses. You just don't go out and start a church. Churches are born. They have an umbilical cord. They are babies connected to a mother church. And Jerusalem has to come down in order to confirm that God is moving in Samaria. And so Peter, being the shepherd at the church of Jerusalem, has to engage and come and see, is this a daughter church that's been born? I thought y'all get excited right there. In other words, in this passage, in this passage, God is trying to teach us some things about the first century church and the church planting principle. Now, can I say this and I'll get out of your way? Peter, as the shepherd at Pentecost, again, opens the door for the Jews to believe and be saved. We all know that when they say yes to the gospel, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And the church is born. Peter, as the shepherd of Jerusalem, now goes down to Samaria. And when he sees that the Samaritans have believed, he then prays for them and they too receive the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10, we haven't got there yet. Peter's got one more crowd he got to go get. And that's us, y'all. That's the Gentiles. Peter has got to go to the Gentiles and preach to them the gospel and unlock the door for salvation to them. And the Gentiles are going to receive the Holy Spirit as well and believe in Jesus Christ. Can I say some more? After Acts chapter 10, Peter will fall off the scene and Apostle Paul will come on the scene. And Apostle Paul is going to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. And no more, no more will Peter have to show up and unlock the door. Because the door would have been unlocked according to the prophecy of Jesus. That Peter, you're going to have power on earth to loose and to bind. And I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Because you understand that there are some denominations that get this wrong. I get it. They want to promise people you got to tarry for the Holy Ghost. And I got to lay hands on you as evidence that you got it. No, the evidence that you got it is the fruit of the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, you'll get some act right about yourself. The Spirit of God will come in and completely turn you. And change you. Come on, talk to me. We don't need for Peter to get up out the grave now and come pray for us. It's already done. It was in the plan of God. Am I making sense right here? I like this because God trusts you and I to unveil, unveil the plan of God. 
here in the text. But there's something interesting about this new century church, this first church in Samaria. While they're there, Peter prays for them. They receive the Holy Spirit. And God opened this for me at 8 o'clock this morning. While Peter does that, in verse 18, stay with me. You got your Bibles open? Look what the Bible says. And when Simon saw the laying on of the apostles' hands, that the Holy Spirit was given, he offered carry money. Uh-oh. Now, I know some of y'all are saying, Pastor, that don't say right there he ain't saved. I got proof for my theology. Everybody else was getting filled with the Spirit of God. His heart was wanting to find out how he could buy the power. That's how I know he wasn't saved. Let me run it back. The Spirit of God has fallen on the people. They're being saved. And Simon's wicked and perverted mind makes him run to the apostles now and try to offer them some money. Look what he say in verse 19. Y'all there? He says, give me this power also. Watch this now. That anyone on whom I lay, y'all see it? They may receive the Holy Spirit. Let me unpack that thing. Can I work right here? Simon's request, Brother Tommy, was motivated from a desire for power over others. He don't want the power to live a better life, to worship God. I want power over everybody else who ain't got the power. Simon's request was stirred in his heart by the evil one to misuse the power of God. Simon, Simon, Simon tries to pay for the power of the Holy Ghost. And I need to tell you today, I'm concerned today for modern day Simons. People who want God's power for their own personal profit. I'm concerned today for those who want God's glory so they can use it for themselves. Y'all not in here with me today. I'm concerned today, New Beginnings, for those who only want what God can give for their own little treasuries. You know, the health, wealth, and name it community. I'm concerned today for those who want God's power for diabolical means. Satan always tries to pervert the things of God. And that's why he infiltrates the church. Satan always tries to get you to manipulate God. As if God could be manipulated. Am I talking to you? He always tries to make you believe you can use God's power any way you want to. I wrote myself a note and it ain't in this note. But I said, just ask the preacher who's fallen from grace. You better watch what you do with God's power. You be careful about how you think you're going to manipulate God's power for your situation. Can I say some more? That, uh, a few years back, they had this big movement happen around uh, not only the country but the world where they would start these healing crusades. 
And for $100, you can get in this line right here and pay for the power of God. And if you have $50, you can get in this line right here and pay for the healing of God. If you have $25, you can get in that line over there and pay for the power of God. Tell me, what's the difference between a $25 healing and a $100 healing? You get 25% cured? Come on, talk to me. Be careful of the people who will money and power, especially the power of God. We got to be shrewd when it comes to the things of God and understand who's God's, who belong to God, and who don't. The church is filled with people who have other motives and things that they want to do on behalf of God and they'll just use God's language. Told the story of a man just a few weeks ago. Came in here. Came in here and called himself. He was a pastor from some other church. And he had been kind of following the ministry of new beginnings. So at the church, he tried to flatter me with a bunch of words. I'm Dr. So-and-so and showed me his credentials and his dissertation, blah, blah, blah. Tried to woo me and want to take me to lunch and have all these meetings. And then he found out he was from some clergy group in the community that's upset with the way things are going downtown. And so he thought that I would be the best candidate to lead their organization. Are y'all listening to me? Satanic subtleties. Came in here under the auspice of, I just want to learn. I want to partner with new beginnings. I want to come alongside and be in what y'all want to do. No, you don't. You want to try to use the power that God has given new beginnings for your own agenda in the earth. This text is real to me. And I'm going to say to you what I said to the family at 8 o'clock. Don't be impressed by people who come in here with fine jewelry and clothes on and titles. Everybody that come in here ain't sent from God. Some people come with straight up agendas. And you'll see them. Can I meet with the pastor? You need to discern what you want with my pastor. Everybody's agenda is not from God. Guess what? Simon is following Philip around. He went to the waters of baptism. He's hanging out with Philip. He let Peter and, and John come to town. He right there. The Holy Spirit falls on everybody. And what comes out of him? Just the opposite. Man, how can I get this power? How can I do what you're doing? And I like, I like verse 20. But Peter, <laughs> that's my guy. He said to him, your money perishes with you. That's the New King James Version. I ain't going to give y'all the Wilson Version. He said, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Like that. 21, you neither have a part, watch this now, nor a portion in this matter. Can I unpack that? 
Notice, notice, niece, he does not say you don't have a portion in this ministry. See, only the believer can have a portion in the ministry. Can I say some more? You cannot even partner with the world and have the world a part of your ministry. The world is completely secular from the things of God. There ain't no such thing as a partnership with an unbeliever. Only believers can partner in ministry. I love Peter's words. He says, you will not have any portion in this matter. What matter? In the say on who gets the power of God and who doesn't. In fact, your money going to die just with you. Can I say some more? Because your money can't buy the power of God. Your money can't purchase salvation. Your money can't even get your life right. Come on, talk to me. Your money don't have no influence over the kingdom of God. I like, I like that. I like that because somebody's still trying to worship money and God. You got to choose between who you going to serve. Can I just run this rabbit? Sometimes we will get in the church and we'll get so distracted by money. And I know we got to live. That's not what I'm saying. I know we got to pay our rent and all that kind of stuff. But money can become your God even while you're trying to participate in the kingdom of God. So you'll make excuses like, man, I would go down there, but brother got to make money. I would come out and serve in the Super Saturday Evangelism and Missions Project, but I got to make money. I will come to Bible study, but, you know, I get off of work late and I'm tired by then. And money becomes your excuse. I would trust God with everything he's given me, but, you know, God know I need my money. It's clear who's, who Simon's God is. It's his money. Peter confronts him. Peter challenges him. He says in verse 22, repent therefore of this wickedness and pray that God perhaps uh, 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 may forgive you for the thoughts of your heart. I like what he says in verse 23, Sister Wilson, for I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. I'm getting out your way when I give you these last two things. First thing I see what Peter does and teaching the new church how to deal with satanic influence in the church. I'm talking about the church of Samaria. First thing he does is he challenges or he confronts the one who claims to be in the church. He doesn't let sin go unchecked. Are you with me here? And a good shepherd will check your sin. You don't want a pastor who ain't going to ever call you out on your behavior. Now, you don't want him to call you out. That's why you ought to do right. Come on, talk to me. But you don't want one if he's supposed to be watching for your soul to not do the job of watching for your soul. I knew that was going to be a tough one. The second thing he does is he pronounces public judgment on the man. You're going to die and let your money be buried with you. Like that. Then he gives him the conditions of his case. 
Because your heart is wicked. I like this, guys, because Peter, as the shepherd, is laying it on the line about the sin and the wickedness in Simon's heart. And this is powerful stuff that's needed in the church today. We must preach sermons that deal with the sin of individuals in the congregation. We must preach sermons that check satanic influence in the church. You must preach sermons that call you to repent and that demand you make a decision for God. Then you must preach sermons that pronounce judgment on your behavior. It used to be a long time ago that when you were falling in the hands of an angry God because of judgment, you knew what it was. Because pastor preached and warned you about it a long time before it happened. Not so much so today. We're too concerned about making you happy and making you feel good. And that's good. I'm all down for sermons that leave here. You all not leave here every day feeling judged. Come on, talk to me. <laughs> That'll be something like, man, Pastor, get off my neck. But there are those times in your life where you know you are deliberately rebelling against God. And you don't care no more. And you're so far gone. You need somebody bigger than you, better than you, and crazy than you to stand up and tell you, look, man, you better stop or God going to kill you. Am I talking to you? What I like about this text right here is that Philip, Phil, Philip, Philip, yeah, yeah, yeah. Philip at this time is interesting. He goes down to Samaria to preach, but he don't have the keys to unlock the salvific plan of God. He was the deacon that was on an evangelistic mission. The keys were with the pastor. Peter comes down. And preaches, and it's a different authority. Are you listening? Philip at this time isn't responsible. Peter's now responsible. And because Peter's responsible, he don't let sin go unchecked. Can I say some more? Pastors are called to rebuke in this manner. Those that try to buy God's gift... And manipulate others in the kingdom. They must be checked. Peter's not afraid to stop Simon in his tracks. And demand respect for the power of God. And confront the issue of sin in the church and in his heart. I'm through when I tell you this. Something about what Peter said. Pierced Simon to the heart. In verse 23. But in verse 24. We hear the culprit speak. Then Simon answered, and guess what he said to the preacher? Pray for me, man. Pray to the Lord for me that none of those things which you have spoken come upon me. As I unpack the car this final trip, we come to the close and we notice that there is an immediate response from Simon. Simon has now been convicted of his behavior and he asks for Peter to pray on behalf of his own sins. It's as if Simon recognizes the authority that rests in Peter. 
And since Peter pronounced the judgment and he wants Simon now wants for Peter to go on behalf of him and reverse the judgment. It's powerful. It shows Simon now willing to submit to church authority. He repents. Repentance means to turn 180 degrees, right? Not 360, because that puts you right back where you were. Right? Repent means to go in the other direction. Simon's spirit now is there. And he has a desire to fix what's wrong. And he also has a desire to change what's in his heart. In other words, he's no longer willing to be used or influenced by the evil one. He no longer wants Satan to control his thoughts or his desire. He no longer wants for Satan to manipulate him. He has heard that his actions were poisonous. And his position was evil. That's why he was bent on doing wrong. This isn't in my notes, but let me give you this as I close. Anytime you have a satanic influence... At work in the church. It's poison. It has the ability to spread. We've seen that on certain occasions in this church. Where the enemy has come in. And has asserted his influence. And one or two people. And those people get busy. Going through the congregation. Beginning to spread. They're poison. The only thing, as I'm giving you today these keys, that opposes the poison of the church is, number one, the authority of the office of the pastor. The ability to confront the evil, number two. Number three, the ability to discern the judgment that must happen. Number four, the ability now to repent or suffer the consequences. Did y'all catch that right there? And that's the principle across the board for the churches of Jesus Christ. God has a remedy for contacting and dealing with satanic influence in the church. And I'm glad that we get to unpack this in Acts chapter 8 and understand the new baby church of Samaria. Because wouldn't it be nice if there was no such church as a church without drama? But the truth of the matter is, wherever there is a church open in the name of Jesus Christ, you're going to find the enemy lurking somewhere. Because he must try to oppose the work of the kingdom. Beautiful here is that we see Simon being receptive to the rebuke of God. He says, pray for me that the things you've said won't come to pass. The text goes silent there. I don't know if Peter prayed or if he had to calm down first. I don't know. But I know Simon reminds me of another sinner. A sinner who was close to death. But at the last minute, understood, I need to change myself. Remember that fellow on the cross next to Jesus? One on the left, one on the right. 
The one on the left decides, if you are the son of God, come down and save yourself and us. But the other one has a change of heart. He says to the one on the right, look, man, we know why we're here, right? And we deserve what we're getting, our punishment for the deeds done in the body. But this man right here in the middle ain't did nothing wrong. Then he turns to Jesus and said, Jesus, remember me when you come into my kingdom. In other words, he paused to repent from the demonic influence that had destroyed his own life. He paused to repent for the sin that caused him to be in that situation. And that's who Simon looks like to me. And the good news was that Jesus turned and he said to the young man, This day, son, you shall be with me in paradise. Jesus died on the cross, didn't he? For the guilty. That makes Simon a candidate for salvation. Jesus would die for Simon just like he died for the thief on the cross. So Simon's got a chance to be a good member in the church of Samaria. Jesus died, was buried, and he rose early Sunday morning. The power of the Father raised him up back to life. And we know that he went back to be at the right hand of the Father and has given us a great commission to go into all the world and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. What a heavy message today. Because as the church of Jesus Christ, we must face a satanic influence in the house. You might be saying, Pastor, that ain't me. I don't practice sorcery. No, but Beyonce is your favorite artist. Or Jay-Z's your guy. I noticed a young athlete, and I'm going to have to catch up with him when I get a chance. He scored, and he did this. I said, would you look at that? He don't even know what he represents. Darkness. That represents the Illuminati, which is a satanic organization that has influenced the multitudes to rebel against the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I dare to go home with you today. If I looked in your refrigerator, what would I find? If I checked your playlist, who's influencing you? See, satanic influence is everywhere. I see it in the way some of y'all dress. I see it in the way you spend your time. I see it in your Facebook posts, your tweets, your images, your influence. I see it in your attitudes. Satanic influence is everywhere and it must be combated in the church. Why? Because there's no place for satanic thinking, living, or acting in the church of Jesus Christ. And that's why Simon can't remain the same. He's got to change. If he's going to be a part of that local body. I'm through. Minister Zuniga is coming now. To give the invitation. But are you being influenced today? Does the devil have your mind? Have you been willing. To compromise your walk with Jesus 
What decisions have you made lately that you left God out? It's all around us. How's your behavior with your children? Your spouses? Are you mean and cantankerous and unforgiving? Bitter? Angry? Racist? Jealous? I want to challenge you today. Get your mind under control. How? By having the mind of Christ. You can only do that if you're a believer. See, the believer can make the devil behave by asking for help. The unbeliever can't. They got to be born again. But perhaps you're here today and pharmakia is working in your life. The addiction to some substance. Is it pornography? What is it? This message has everybody's name on it. A ministry for the city is only for the church, number one. How to deal with the satanic influence is found here in the text. You're the church. God's calling you to deal with it today. Get a hold of that thing. Before Zuniga comes and gives the invitation to salvation, before he comes to give the invitation to salvation that's to the non-believer I want to give the invitation to the believer come and do something about your position join me right now if you say pastor the enemy is trying to influence me to misbehave on my job and my school and I want to pray for my mind just come up grab some altar let's prostrate ourselves around here and you ain't impressing me by staying in your seat but you know who you are. Just grab some floor right here and pray, bow. The enemy's trying to get me to give up, to quit. Throw the towel in on salvation and God. You can come on the stage if you need to. There's room. We do this publicly because he tries to destroy you publicly. And I'm standing with you as your pastor. I'm bowing with you. The enemy is after me. And I need God to keep me from going off on somebody misbehaving, not trusting him. As we pray, let's cry out together.